0: Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts, set them on fire with love for your Son Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I don't know how many of you have seen the paper this morning. But uh, in the wedding announcements, our daughter is featured this morning. Meredith was able to secure the picture and have the announcement put in. And so now it's out. It's official. Now that it's in the paper. But the reality is that this whole idea and notion of wedding has been dominating our, our lives for probably about six months. Ever since the announcement came to us. Uh, we've been talking wedding, and last weekend, Meredith uh, went up to Pittsburgh with Bethany, and they went to a wedding expo. And so, you know, wedding was very dominant at that point. They both got their dresses. Uh, yesterday, we we got on uh, the telephone a picture of Bethany's engagement ring, which was made up of uh, diamonds from Charlie's great, do I have this right, great-grandmother, right? And my mom that they had made into a ring together. And so it's really pretty and it's very much connected to family. So wedding is certainly dominating the discussion right now. And, and so when I came to the, to the reading for today, I couldn't help but begin to just reminisce about my own wedding over 33 years ago. And what joy it was. I don't remember it being such a production. But I was the guy, right? And we don't really know much going on about the wedding. We just say, yeah, whatever, I'll just show up and then it'll all be good, right? And so I I know back then I was not nearly as involved as I see everything that's going on right now and everything that must have taken place with the planning that I was just oblivious to. But as I continued to reflect on the scriptures, and you've got the wedding at Cana in John chapter 2, and then you've got this reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that talks about the gifts of the Spirit, then my mind started going to wedding gifts that we received. Have you ever thought about that? For those of you that have been married, particularly if your marriage has been passed for years and years, like we're over 33 now. I know for some of you that's not long, but it's still fairly long. And think about some of the gifts that you got. And I remember some of the gifts. We still have some of the gifts that, you know, you look at and you remember the person that gave them, and it touches your heart because you think about that. But I also think back on some of the gifts that we got that, like, were really dumb. I would not name any in particular because just in case this would ever get out and someone would hear it, But, I mean, I just didn't understand what some of the gifts were about. I mean, here it is, a young couple just coming out of college, and we have needs, and then we get things that, like, why would someone get me this? It was just interesting. And then I remember gifts that I really didn't understand. You know, I didn't know what they were when I saw it, but Meredith got real excited about it. How many of you women in particular remember a salad spinner? Remember that? And for you guys, you'll have to ask your wives, okay? But we got a salad spinner with some other things for making a salad, which for me, like, was no big deal. Back in those days, I was more into burgers and fries and stuff like that. So it was not a big deal. And I really, when we opened it up, I said, what in the world is that? And Meredith gets so excited. It's a salad spinner. We have a a kitchen that's about as big as that altar right there. And, you know, salad spinners are not tiny. So it's like, is this really something we need? And I... And I thought about it, if someone really knew me and really got me a practical gift, which we didn't get, why didn't I get a coffee maker? You know, for those of you that know me, that would have been the perfect gift. But it's funny to think back on the gifts that you get. The gifts that you really can't appreciate. The gifts that you really don't understand. That you don't know the purpose Or the meaning. God does not give gifts flippantly. Thoughtlessly. God gives gifts intentionally. Gifts that have meaning and purpose. Gifts because He knows you and He knows your heart and He knows what you need. Gifts that are designed for you. And not only designed for you, but meant to be a blessing to other people. The blessing is meant to multiply. And so you have this notion of, on the one hand, a wedding. And on the other hand, gifts. Doesn't that go together nicely? These two readings this morning. Now let's consider the setting of the Gospel reading. And some of you know this. Some of you have heard this before. A Jewish wedding during Christ's time wasn't just a one-day event. It was a week-long event. So you can imagine, I would hate to be the one paying the bill for that. You know, the food and the drink and all these people that show up. and, and, And weddings were meant to be extensive. I mean, you would invite all of your relatives, you would invite your friends, you would invite friends of your friends. I mean, that's probably how the apostles got invited. And so you've got all these people and the multiplication of food and the multiplication of wine. Jesus is invited just to be a guest, a spectator. To our knowledge, he wasn't performing the ceremony, okay? He was just there. So in his mind, it wasn't, I was going to help. I was going to do something. But that's the scene. That's the setting. Jesus is just going to a wedding. But what happens is, a concern at the wedding becomes his concern. And who has the concern first? His mom. Now, think about your own home. If a mom has a concern, it becomes everybody's concern. Right? If mama's not happy, what's it it go? Nobody's. There you go. Now you get the idea. So Mary has a concern, and she can't do anything about it that she really understands or knows to do. And so what does she do? She tells her son. Now, you have to understand, at this point, I mean, she knew something was special about Jesus because of the angel's announcement and the birth and everything that's transpired up to this point. She knew this son was special, different, the promised Messiah. But to my knowledge, and what Scripture tells us, he'd never done anything miraculous, okay? It's important to understand that. She's not sure what he would do. But she knew if she made the concern known that he would take on her concern. Isn't that interesting? That she shares the concern with him. He makes it his own for her sake. And then my guess is, as it dawns on not only him but everybody, the concern would be the bride and the grooms. Because they would be embarrassed. Their dignity would be robbed. People would talk about them because it's unheard of that you would run out of things at a wedding. It would be an embarrassment to the families. So Jesus is concerned about the couple and their dignity, their reputation. Jesus is concerned about everybody at the party having a joyful, wonderful experience. So the concern spreads. There you go. The concern spreads. And so Jesus decides he's going to take this on. But what he does has to be so unexpected by everyone. See, but God operates like that. And sometimes we forget it, and sometimes we don't recognize it. But when we have a concern, and we bring it to the Lord, sometimes the way He responds and what He does is surprising to us. See, sometimes we want to put, as someone said to me after the early service, we want to put God in a box. We want to say, well, if He's really going to respond to my issue, my problem, my concern, then He's going to respond this way. And if he doesn't, can we really receive it? Can we really understand it? Can we really appreciate it? Do we really understand he's after our heart? He's after something deeper than sometimes we're even asking or we're even seeking. And he wants to bless other people in the process. See, God surprises us. And he can work in wonderful and miraculous ways along with surprising us and that's exactly what he does in this story so what does he do what does he do he he talks to the guy who's in charge of the wine and the servants and he says you know do me a favor get me six of these big jars now these big jars 20 to 30 gallons you're talking about 120 to 180 gallons of wine right And now that might be the first surprise. The amount of wine that we're talking about here. That Jesus is about to transform and make. The second is what he would use. You wouldn't use jars for purification, jars for washing, if you're going to make something like really good. This is not the finest of materials. This is not the best equipment. It's not the cleanest situation. But see, that's the nature of God, that he takes what is ordinary and even sometimes less than ordinary and he can do something great with it. And what he does also is surprising in this regard. You know, think about it. Mary tells the servants, do whatever he tells you. So they get these water jars and my guess is they're wondering, what in the world are we doing? Now, if we don't follow this guy, we don't know this guy. We don't know what he's going to do with these water jars. But I guess we better do what he says because, you know, we could get in trouble if we don't. So then they bring the water jars, fill them with water. They have no idea what he's going to do. He dips a cup in and he says, take this to the wine store. Okay, now we didn't get in trouble yet, but we're about to. You know, what is this guy up to? So then this guy, who ends up being totally surprised, says, Oh my goodness, everybody serves the the best wine first, the good wine first, and then serves the other stuff once the palate is wasted and everybody's had too much to drink anyway. But Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't just make something that's acceptable, something to get by, or even pull one over on someone. He makes the best. And again, that's what God is about in our lives. Sometimes we can't see it. Sometimes we don't realize it. Sometimes we don't want it. Sometimes we're even afraid of it. But what God wants to do in your life is he wants to take your life and he wants to make it the best. We don't always want his way because we think we know better. We think we know what's best for ourselves. When God, who designed us, and God, who loves us, and God, who knows what's best for us, wants to bring transformation to our lives. That's what's best. And you get to what's best when you get to the last verse of this particular section of Scripture. And his disciples believed in him. That's what's best. And it's not just an intellectual, oh, yeah, this guy's different, or maybe we'll follow his teaching, or maybe we'll look at his way. I mean, in John chapter 1, if you just go back to the previous chapter, what you have is John the Baptist pointing to Jesus, and they say, oh, wow, this guy's something special. So then they hear him teach, and they say, You know, maybe he has something to give to our lives. And then he says, follow me, and they follow him, and maybe they're trying to gain from him some kind of knowledge or some kind of moral teaching that can bless their lives. They hear that he might be the Messiah, and then they see him work. Now the belief becomes personal. See, it's not just intellectual knowledge. It's not just, yeah, I know something about this Jesus Christ. It is personal knowledge that's taken internally that changes your life and the direction of your life. See, that's transformation. This is separation from the world and the way of the world. That's what he wants to do. And the gifts of the Spirit operate in the same way. The gifts of the Spirit are something beyond ourselves, something powerful, something miraculous, something that will change our lives and bless our lives and bless other people. And it's outside the box. But it begins with belief. Belief in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Belief that He has sent the Holy Spirit to come into your life and transform your life from the inside out. The belief that the Holy Spirit is there not only to guide you, but to fill you with the presence of Christ. That's what he's about. That's what he's about. And he wants you to experience the best. But the best only comes with belief. Real belief. Personal belief. Intimate belief. Notice that he doesn't say, you know what, purify those jars first. We're not perfect. We're not holy. All he wants from us is availability. To recognize he has a gift. To recognize he wants to change us and use us to bless others and bring joy to their lives. That's what he wants. You know, we've been hearing a lot about gifts the last few weeks, if you really think about it. If you really think about it, what do we talk about? A lot of Christmas. We talk about Christmas gifts, right? What about two weeks ago, Epiphany, the Wise Men? We talk about gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. See, and you can even embrace and believe that Jesus is this Messiah, that He's come into the world, that He's God's gift at Christmas. But there's so much more to belief than mere intellectual knowledge. Acknowledging a fact. It's believing so much so that He comes into your heart and to your life and He wants to change you. Think about the God, what God gives at Christmas. He gives His Son. And then Jesus comes as the bridegroom for His bride. That would be us for an intimate, personal, loving relationship. And then Jesus says, I will send the Holy Spirit to you to fill you, to transform you, to use you, another gift. This is the same person who said, I've come that you might have life and have have it abundantly. It's a gift. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. It's a gift. It's all about God's grace and us receiving it. Like a jar of clay being filled with water. Because we have clay feet. All of us. You know, there's a a phrase that you may have used from time to time. You've probably heard from time to time. Have you ever heard the phrase, consider the source? How do you usually use that phrase? You know, if someone says something derogatory or mean... Particularly about you. How do you deal with it sometimes? Oh, I just consider the source, right? I've done that. If someone gives you a gift that you can't appreciate, oh well, I mean, that's who they are. Consider the source. See, we use that phrase flippantly. Now let's take this back. To what we've been talking about? Do you really consider the source when God says, He gave His only Son? Do you consider the source when Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly? Do you consider the source when Jesus says, He's come to save the lost? I mean, you can think about all the different things that Jesus says about those he's reaching out, that those he's trying to touch, those he's trying to transform by his power, by his grace, by the cross. That he loves you so much he gave his life for you. Do you consider the source? That he sent the Holy Spirit to bring his abiding presence into your heart and your life, constantly. Do you consider the source? What about what the world promises? When you get this sense from the world, it's all about you. You know, if it's all about you and it's all about me, and what I want is a problem for you, how can it be all about both of us? Think about that. But when it's all about the Lord, when He wants to send His Spirit to take hold of your life, and change your life, and live for Him and be a blessing to other people, How that changes you. See, God has so much more in mind for you than you have in mind for yourself or what the world has to offer. What the world has to offer is cheap wine, and it'll give you a hangover. And what Jesus has designed for you is the best. The best that He wants to bless you and bless other people through you. That He wants to bless the church with that joy and fellowship that they were able to continue to experience at that wedding. That He wants to use His power to infuse and invade your life so that you have the gifts of the Spirit like in 1 Corinthians 12 or look in Ephesians 4, Romans 12. Gifts that are designed for you, for your blessing, but also for the building up of the church, the good of others that we might experience together that fellowship that joy and bless the world around us do you understand that's his promise and he has the power and he has the gifts but the question is have you really made yourself available have you invited him to the wedding. Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, you've given us the water of baptism. That in it we find the power of the cross the forgiveness of sin and what is intended to be a transformation of our lives. And you promise by your Holy Spirit to bring that power, to bring the presence of Jesus, to bring his love infused in our lives, the blessing that we might share with others. Yet so often faith remains head knowledge. And we become enamored by the world. We never become the wine, the best wine. We never become the blessing and the joy that we could be and we could bring. Lord, I pray that we would be those empty jars, those empty vessels. That though we have feet of clay, that we are available to the indwelling, the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. That we would truly live into the the baptism of water. But that we would be transformed into the best wine. I pray right now that those here who have never received the gift, never known the gift of Jesus Christ, that they might be that jar. Lord, for those here who have known you but have never been available to your Holy Spirit, that they would be the water become wine. Lord that all of us here would be that blessing that we might experience being blessed and be that blessing and share your joy with those around us. And we pray this in Jesus name.